Hi, I'm Amy Quinn, and you're welcome to The Pig Edge, Chagas's pig podcast, where we are bringing you the latest news, information, and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date with the industry. In this episode, we chat to PhD student Lorcan O'Neill on the topical area of antimicrobial use and resistance, where he will tell us some of his results from his project, looking at antimicrobial use and resistance in the Irish pig industry. I first asked Lorcan to tell us a little bit about his project and why a study like this is necessary. The project I'm working on is called AMIRAP, which is Antimicrobial Use and Resistance in Animal Production. It's a collaboration between Chagas and UCD, and we're looking into antimicrobial use and antimicrobial resistance in pigs and poultry. And up until now, we didn't have a lot of data on antimicrobial use in Ireland. And there were a lot of assumptions being made. You know, for example, it's all pigs or all pigs and poultry. But there's never any figures um, behind that. And now we do have some. And on the antimicrobial resistance side, um, there was some data, but not a lot of work done at farm level. So AMIRAP is helping address some of these knowledge gaps. Can you tell us a bit about the antimicrobial use study that you've worked on on Irish pig farms? Yeah, so this was um, this part of the project followed on from the PSP project that Maria spoke to you about in her podcast. And you might remember that um, PSP project is about respiratory disease. So we visited 67 farms in total, which is a great response. And those farms had a combined population of around 48,000 sows, which is about a third of the whole population. So we think it's a pretty good representation of the industry. Um, We started in 2017. So the data we collected was for 2016. And it took a year to get around to everybody. So it was up and down the country a lot, as you can imagine. Can you give us a brief overview of the results? Yeah, we found the majority of use was in medicated feed, around 90%. And most of the antibiotics are given to wiener pigs, and they accounted for around 70%. But the the practice that had the biggest impact on use by far was using medicated feed in the second stage wieners. So if your second stage wieners are getting antibiotics in the feed, you're already high use, even more so if you're medicating finishers as well. And then in terms of the antibiotics being used, chlorotetracycline was the main one, that's CTC. And then after that was trimethoprim and sulfadiazine combination, but people will know that as uniprim or sulfoprim. And then after that, we had tylosine and amoxicillin. But the other group of antibiotics that's important to mention are the critically important antibiotics. here we're talking about the likes of Batril, Marbacil, Naxil, Colicin, you know, the ones that are most important in human medicine. And we found that overall use of these was low, but nearly all farms were using at least one of them, especially Batril actually, and, and that would be a concern in terms of antimicrobial resistance. And then we were able to use these figures to estimate uh, the consumption for the whole industry. So remember, we had around one third of the population in, in our study. And we estimated that overall pigs would account for around 40% of the veterinary antimicrobials uh, used in Ireland, which is a lot, but we, it was probably thought it was even higher than that. And if you look at the figures for the veterinary antibiotic sales in Ireland, one third are oral premixes, which go into medicated feed. Another third are for in the powders for use in uh, water or top dressing. A quarter will be injectables and the rest mainly in intramammary tubes uh, for mastitis. So pigs would account for all of the oral premix, obviously, 
they didn't account for a lot of the other oral treatments or the injectables. And that's an interesting finding because it shows us that the other sectors are, are using these. This study looked at the 2016 year, Lorcan. Do you think that these levels have reduced since then? It's hard to say for sure, Amy, because on one hand, we haven't seen a drop in the overall sales of antimicrobials yet. But on the other hand, we know of plenty of farmers in Chagas who have significantly reduced their antibiotic use. So I'm hopeful um, that when we see um, another set of results, that there will be a reduction. At a national level, this is an important study. How are we in comparison to other countries in terms of measuring antimicrobial usage at farm level? Well, one of the problems is that there's not a lot of data out there to compare to, and at least for 2016. But I was able to make a comparison at national level to five other countries. And we found like we're well behind the likes of Sweden and Denmark and the Netherlands. And we were a bit closer to France and we were lower than the UK. And in a farm level, we compared our data to that from a big European study that involved 180 farms. Um, there was uh, 20 each from nine different countries in that. And on average, we had higher use. So we're not the best in the class, but we're not the worst either. Uh, there'll be countries um, for which we don't have data yet that we know will have higher use. Um, um, but this isn't something that, um, that we just want to keep up with. We, we actually should strive to, to be one of the best here. And I have to mention that both France and the UK have shown substantial drops in their usage since 2016. So there is a definite need for us to improve. There are new EU regulations governing antibiotic use coming into effect in 2022. What are the implications of these regulations for pig farmers? So there are two regulations. Uh, one governed veterinary medicines and the other medicated feed and they tie in together and they're going to put restrictions on how you can use antibiotics. Now they don't mean you can't use antibiotics but it won't be as easy to access them as before and you won't be allowed to use antibiotics for prevention and actually most of the antibiotic use in our study was for prevention and you won't be able to give a group treatment unless you have a valid veterinary diagnosis and we all know that most veterinary um, treatments for pigs are, are group treatments. And you also won't be able to use the critically important antibiotics unless you have a lab result that shows there's no other alternative. And all of that means you're going to basically have to have an investigation done if you need to use antibiotics in the same way uh, that you have been before. And on the medicated feed side, you won't be able to use it for longer than two weeks at a time, which is quite different to how it is now. And, and there can only be one medication in it. And then the third regulation that's coming in, of course, is the ban on zinc oxide. And there's a lot of work going on in Chagas at the moment to help farmers uh, find alternatives and you know, make, it to, make that transition. But there's no doubt that these three regulations together are going to have a big impact on, on farm management. Yeah, there's some big changes there. The second part of your project looks at antimicrobial resistance. Can you remind us what AMR is all about? So antimicrobial resistance is very basically when anti an antibiotic that should work against a particular infection doesn't. And when antibiotics were first discovered, it was fantastic because they always worked. But it turned out that bacteria were very good at finding ways to counteract antibiotics. And the more we use antibiotics, the more we're selecting for strains that have resistance. And that can happen in any bacteria that you can think of, but obviously we're most concerned 
when it happens to bacteria that cause infections that we're trying to treat. Like I'm sure you've all heard of terms like MRSA, CRE, C. diff, you know, which, which cause problems in people. And these are basically just species of bacteria or strains that have developed resistance to a lot of different antibiotics and so are very hard to treat. And that's why they're sometimes called superbugs. And so what has this got to do with pig farming? Yeah, well, down the years, um, agriculture has taken a lot of the blame for this, and mainly because of the amount of antibiotics that were being used. But actually, uh, you know, more and more evidence co- uh, coming out now shows that it isn't the biggest risk to human health at all, at all and that um, antibiotic use in people and person-to-person contact are, are more important factors in the emergence and spread of antibiotic resistance. But that doesn't mean there's no risk to public health from antibiotic use in agriculture or antibiotic resistant bacteria in agriculture. You know, this is something that if we were to continue as we have been, then we'd have a much bigger problem in the future. Um, so now is the time to act. And uh, people sometimes think the problem is antibiotic residues in the meat. It's not. And that's something that's well controlled these days. The problem is actually the spread of the bacteria themselves. And this can happen in three ways. You have the food chain, uh, direct contact with animals, and then also through the environment. So for example, um, spreading slurry on the land, that sort of thing. And of those three, it's direct contact with animals that seems to be the most efficient um, mode of transfer. And that wouldn't pose a big risk to the wider public, but it's definitely something to consider for people who work closely with animals. Can you tell us a bit about the antimicrobial resistance study that you carried out as part of this project and what did you find? We, we enrolled 12 farms. That was four with low use, uh, low antibiotic use, which means they didn't use any in-feed medication. Four with medium use, which meant they use antibiotics in the creep or the link. And four with high use, uh, which meant they were using um, medication in the feed up until the end of second stage. And on each farm, we followed a batch of around 120 pigs from birth until slaughter. We visited once in each stage, so the uh, farrowing house, first stage weaners, second stage weaners, and finishers, and we collected dung samples each time. So it was very glamorous. And we looked at three things. First, um, a general overview of resistance, where we grow the bacteria and see what they're resistant to. And we were looking at E. coli. Now, most people will know E. coli as a cause of diarrhea and piglets and oedema disease and this sort of thing. But actually, most strains of E. coli don't cause disease at all. And we use this because it's easy to find in the samples and it's easy to grow in the lab. And actually, the levels of resistance in the harmless strains do give us an idea of the resistance in, um, in the harmful strains. And the second thing we looked at was resistance to fluoroquinolones. Um, Batril, Marbacil are examples of those, and cephalosporins, which um, Naxal would be an example of. And remember, these are the critically important antibiotics. And we use a different technique to find um, these resistant bacteria because thankfully they're less common. But we do want to know that if they're there, because any level of resistance to these is concerning. And then the third thing we looked at was the DNA in the sample. And this was to see um, what antibiotic resistance genes are present on the farm. But we don't have results for that part yet. But I can tell you about the first two parts. So 
as a general rule, we found resistance was highest in the high use farms and lowest in the low use farms. So not a big surprise there. We saw the highest levels of resistance in the first stage weaners. And, you know, depending on the farm and their antibiotic use, this um, could be very high for some of the antibiotics we were testing, like tetracycline or, um, or penicillin. But it would reduce by the time the pigs get to slaughter. The exception to this general rule was the resistance to the critically important antibiotics. And here we were finding that on most farms it was highest in the piglets and not the first stage weaners. And it didn't matter whether they were a high use farm or a low use farm. Now, when, um, these levels of resistance, is, it's, it's relative because most of the time the resistance here is quite low and much lower than say the tetracyclines or penicillins. But it's an important finding because any level of resistance to Naxel and Batril and these sort of antibiotics is exactly what you don't want. And it happens to be highest at the very time and place where most of the handling takes place. So think about the amount of times you handle piglets to um, teeth and tails and um, vaccinations, injections and this sort of thing. And this does present an opportunity for transferring resistance around the farm, but to people and to animals. I'm not trying to alarm people and say you're going to pick up something in the farrowing house. It is, it's not quite like that, but it does identify somewhere where the risk is a bit higher and we can put control measures in place to reduce that risk. And in your opinion, Lorcan, what do you think farmers can do to reduce the use of antibiotics on their farm? Well, I think the first thing to look at is whether there's any unnecessary use happening. You know, are, are you treating just in case? And then maybe you shouldn't. Like, look at your medicated feed regimen. Like, for example, now, if you were using medicated feed in the second stage weaners, is it still necessary or have you solved that problem? If it is necessary, then that's fine. But if it isn't, then obviously you should re reconsider um, re reconsider using the antibiotic then. But your vet, your vet is the best person to advise you on this. The other thing is, it's not just about how much you're using, it's about what you're using. Like if you're using Naxal or Batril or Marbacil, do you really need something that strong or will something else work just as well? You know, and cutting out unnecessary use is the easy part. Re reducing necessary use is another story. Like we must never compromise on welfare. So if a pig or a group of pigs needs an antibiotic to treat an infection, then they should obviously get that. So then really we're looking at ways of improving uh, your herd's health and reducing the need for antibiotics in the first place. And for me, the two things you need are a proper herd health plan and a good biosecurity protocol. And for both of these, I think you'll need the help of your vets, but also your nutritionist, your advisor, and maybe even your geneticist. So for example, your herd health plan, you know, do you know your herd health status? Often you will, but you know, is it up to date? When did you last have your serology checked or your lungs scored? Is your vaccination protocol up to date? Do you have a very specific problem that needs to be addressed, you know, like dysentery or pleurisy, you know, things that, that, that need a lot of antibiotics to keep under control, you know, then you're going to need a very specific um, plan to address this. And um, 
good, good biosecurity though is something that can make a big difference here as well. You might remember Maria talked about this in her podcast and you have external biosecurity, which is basically keeping disease from um, outside the farm from getting in. And Irish farms tend to do well in this, but then you also have internal biosecurity, which means preventing the spread of disease around the farm. Now this tended to be a bit more variable. So have you done your biosecurity audit? If you haven't, you should ask your vet because you can actually get that done for free. It's paid for by Animal Health Ireland. And then use the results. If you get a low score in the farrowing house because you're not disinfecting your equipment, then there is a change you, you could make. And are you practicing all in, all out? Most people say they are, but um, we, an interesting thing that happened in, our, in, in the antibiotic resistance study was, well, we were tagging pigs in the farrowing room so that we could identify them the next time we went to the farm. And in one farm, they found a tagged piglet in the farrowing room 10 weeks later. So that piglet wasn't meant to be there at all, but I can tell you that piglet was small for a reason and it definitely wasn't because it was healthy. And I'm not trying to single out this farm because this is happening everywhere. You just don't know because the pig isn't tagged. You can't recognize it as been from the, you know, from a previous batch. And, you know, maybe some of these things sound like a lot of work and expense and there's definitely that to it, but there are studies that shows it pays off. And if you haven't already, then you should have a listen to Maria's podcast again, because she makes a very convincing case that improving your herd health and your biosecurity also improves your bottom line. So I would say overall reducing antibiotic use is something that would prove easier for some farms than others. But I would say start with what's possible and you know the rest then will follow. The Department of Agriculture launched an antimicrobial database late last year, and I know a lot of farmers are using it already, but there are some who are still getting to grips with it. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about it, Lorcan? Yeah, um, it's a reasonably straightforward system to use um, once you get a hang of it. Like any of these systems take a little bit of getting used to, but all you need are um, your, your invoices, your in-feed records, and then it's quite easy to, to enter that information. And really, if you have all the records to hand, it might only take you a few minutes to, to do that. You access the database through your ag food login. Um, some pig farmers will have this already, um, some maybe don't, but you'll be able to set one up with the Department of Agriculture and you can find further details on, on their website. It's also something they, uh, your advisor in Chagas will be able to help you out with as well. And um, this antibiotic use database is not mandatory or anything, but it will be part of the board beer requirements. And I believe those will be implemented next year or this year actually. And in the longer term, again, it, it's very likely to become mandatory. And that's because it's provided for in, that, uh, in those EU regulations that we mentioned earlier where every country will have to collect antibiotic use data on, uh, on all species of animals. But first up are the pigs, pigs and poultry. Thanks very much, Lorcan. It's great to get an overview of the project and the current developments in the area. Thank you, Amy. Um, and I just want to say um, a big thank you to all of the farmers and vets that have um, helped us out with this project. It's very much appreciated. That's it for this episode of The Pig Edge. And many thanks to Lorcan for joining me on the show. 
Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Amy Quinn. Thanks for listening. And join me next time on The Pig Edge for more updates, news and advice.